Huh? Aren't you glad you came to church today? You got to be a part of that. I love, you know, just being a part of, of church family life. You know, it's messy. It's messy business, but there are many joys. Weddings, uh, and, and though they are sad moments in time, funerals, being able to walk alongside a family in a difficult time, it's a, a privilege and, and a blessing as a pastor to be a part of that. We're, we're, we're at the very end of our series, Shocking Claims of Jesus. Jesus claimed that he was God. He forgave sins. And we know that the religious leaders of the day thought he was claiming to be God because they said that he was blaspheming God. How could, how could anyone but God forgive sins? He called himself the I am, Yahweh. And the religious leaders picked up stones in those moments to stone him. We know that he was claiming to be God. Jesus could do anything. He walked on water. He raised the dead to life. He fed thousands miraculously. He turned water into wine. He could do anything, and he did. Jesus claimed that he could heal, and he did that too. He's still calling us to follow him. He called others to follow him, and they did. They dropped everything, and they followed him. They went with him. Jesus said that the first will be last, and the last will be first. He is the king and lord of what our world would call an upside-down kingdom. It shouldn't really work that way, where the greatest are the least. That is what Jesus did. He came to serve not to be served. And it's I think it's appropriate and even divine that we talk about all of these things that we're going to talk about this morning on a dedication Sunday because these things that we hear today, we need to know and we need to be ready to teach our children. We need to be ready to share these things with our coworkers and our friends and our neighbors who are across the street. We need to have an answer for them as to who Jesus was and what he did, and why we believe that about him. Jesus was God, and he did exactly what needed to be done for our uh, salvation at the exact time that God planned. There was a Sunday school teacher, and in her class one day, she said, hey, all you kids, what if I, what if I sold my house and my car, and I had a big garage sale, and I gave everything to the church? Would I go to heaven? And all the kids were like, no. She said, well, what if, I, what if I went to church every Sunday and I mowed the lawn and I helped keep the building clean? Would that get me to heaven? No. And she said, well, what then, what then has to happen in order for, me to, uh, for people to get to heaven? And this little five-year-old in the back, he says, you got to be dead. <laughs> right? There's one prerequisite to being resurrected, isn't there? You got to be dead. And Jesus was just that. We're, we're, we're digging into this shocking claim this morning that Jesus made when he said, I will rise. I will be dead, but then I will be alive. If you would turn in your Bibles to, to uh, the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, it's the second gospel in our New Testament. Mark chapter 9, verse 30 and 31. This is what Jesus, it says, they left that place and pass through Galilee. I, I know I'm not waiting for you, but we got a roll this morning. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were, verse 31, because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days, he will rise. 
John also recorded Jesus' claim that, that he would rise again. And he uses a different illustration this time. It'll be up here on the screen. John chapter 2, 18 through 22. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you're going to raise it in three days, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. You see, I believe that Jesus literally died and he literally rose from the dead. And that's recorded in the Bible. It was a historical event that occurred over 2,000 years ago. But I don't believe it simply for the fact that it's in the Bible. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you about the writers of this Bible so that you may know and believe and have a reason for it. Matthew was a despised tax collector. He became a Jesus follower. Uh, he saw Jesus die, and he saw Jesus after the resurrection. He wrote the Gospel of Matthew describing how that happened. I, I believe it because Mark, Mark was a Greek, and he hung around with Jesus and his followers. We, we know that he had a very close relationship with Peter and with Paul. And he wrote about what they told him and believed it. I believe it because Luke, Luke, a doctor, performed an investigation into the details of the resurrection and the things that Jesus did. In fact, in the very beginning of the gospel, Luke says that he investigated everything from the beginning. Luke believed it. John, John was the first person to the empty tomb when he heard that Jesus had risen from the dead. John watched them crucify Jesus. John was there. He stood there. Jesus told John, take care of my mother. John watched Jesus die, and then he saw him alive. He believed it, and he wrote about it. That's in the book of John. Peter, Peter was one of the disciples. And even if you don't know very much about the Bible, you've probably heard about Peter because he was the one other human being, the one human being who actually walked on water. Jesus told Peter that he would deny him. And Peter said, no way. There, I, I believe you are who you are. I, I'm with you to the very end. And then Peter did. And Peter, Peter, tradition says, was crucified upside down. He was, he was crucified not for, not for what he believed. Peter was, Peter was killed because of what he saw. He knew it was true because he witnessed it. He watched it. That's why he was willing to die. He saw Jesus die, and then he saw him alive, which made Jesus king and made Nero not king. And he was killed because of it. And then there was James. Who knows who James was? James was one of Jesus' brothers, right? Half-brother. Now, 
James could be the most convincing one when it comes to believing that Jesus rose from the dead because James doesn't come into the picture until later. Uh, he's mentioned in the book of Acts that Luke wrote. He was a leader in the church in Jerusalem. In fact, he wrote the book of James, which is also found in the New Testament. And can you imagine growing up with Jesus? I say this many times. He never made mistakes. You could never blame anything on him. But, but, to, but to believe that he was God? Could you imagine how hard it would be to convince a sibling that you're divine? Right? James was, was like, I saw him in the carpentry shop. He's not God. But later, he wrote about it. Think about this. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he was God? Rise from the dead, right? That's exactly what Jesus did. And James saw it, and James believed. And then we have Paul. Paul, in his early years, was doing a favor to the church by killing and imprisoning as many Christians, as many people of the new way as he could. Because these people were spreading lies about Jesus. They're telling stories about who he was. But then something happened to him that changed everything. Paul came face to face with Jesus himself on the road to Damascus. Paul, who was originally ridding the world of these believers, became one himself. Why? Why would he do that? Because he saw the truth. He saw Jesus. He knew he was alive, and he became the greatest missionary this world, one of the greatest missionaries this world has ever seen. Why? Not simply because he believed it, but because he saw with his very own eyes, and we have that testimony right here, and we can believe it. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, hallelujah. Hallelujah, because there is good reason to believe it. If you would say that you believe in God and you try to follow the things that, that Jesus taught, but you just aren't sure about the resurrection, then you really, and, and you really don't believe that it actually happened, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening or you're watching online, because this morning we're going to talk about the issue when it comes to faith and theology of those who know Jesus Christ. And I hope that you wrestle with this because it is the essential foundation when it comes to what we believe. Now, I think it's natural or it's, it's prevalent anyway to separate the life and teachings of Jesus from the resurrection, right? I mean, everybody loves Jesus, right? People talk about it all the time. Every politician loves the Sermon on the Mount. You know, the truth shall set you free. There are certain things in the Bible that everyone is fine with. Love your neighbor. Of course, we should do that. Everyone should love their neighbor. Jesus said that. Most are good and fine with family values. Respect your parents. Parents, honor your children. Care for them. Fathers, don't frustrate your children. Justice and mercy and love. Jesus taught about all of those things. No one has a problem with those. We love to sing about Jesus, to even worship him. And everybody knows that Jesus taught that we should take care of the poor. We should be generous. We should, we should help them. But the fact of Jesus coming back to life from the dead, 
Now that is a shocking claim. Do you doubt the resurrection? Do you question whether Jesus physically came back to life? There may be people who, here who, who don't think, here today who don't think that Jesus came back from the dead. Or, or there are people who you know. Or there are kids that you know who are in other families and, and they would say that they don't believe that Jesus came back from the dead. I mean, you're fine with the rest of it. All these good things, all these moral things, I'm good with those things. But this thing about the resurrection, I just can't believe that. That Jesus literally, physically came back to life. Now, if that's where you are today, the problem with trying to do this is that all of those things, honor your parents, love, those, love your neighbor as yourself, all of those things... <laughs> came from the men that believed that Jesus rose from the dead. They're from the same source. Jesus' shocking claim of resurrection is at the center of what they taught. It is the essential piece. We need to know it. We need to believe it. We need to know why we believe it. And we need to testify to it. So if you don't believe in a literal resurrection, okay, you believe that in the first century, Matthew, Mark, John, James, Peter, Luke, that they all got together and said, hey, all these great things that Jesus, our rabbi, taught us, we want those to go on and on and on forever in, into history. So let's come up with this incredible story that would make everybody believe it. Um, if you believe that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then you believe that all of these guys came up with a really, 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 really big lie. And that we're believing it today. You see, if there was no resurrection, we should abandon all things Christian. If there was no resurrection... We should abandon all things Christian. It, it means that if you end your prayers in Jesus' name, you should stop doing that. You should end them in your name or maybe your favorite athlete's name. Um, everything you believe about heaven, you should throw it away. Whether you've ever read the Bible or not, 90% of what everybody on the planet believes about heaven came from the New Testament writers. Those guys told us also that Jesus rose from the dead. We should abandon everything Christian if we don't believe that he actually came back to life. In fact, it's rather inconsistent if we say that we believe everything Jesus taught, but we don't believe that he literally rose from the dead. Now, we've all been to funerals. I've heard pastors get up and, and myself have talked about the fact that, that, we're gonna, that this person is in heaven um, and there are reasons for that. We can forget about all of that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. If you're working hard at being obedient to God's commands, if the resurrection didn't happen, it's wasted time. If you're giving to the church and to missionaries, if Jesus didn't resurrect from the dead, you should keep all of that money. All that time that you've given to others, stop doing it. Don't go to church. 
Just do whatever. Give up all things Christian because without Jesus fulfilling his shocking claim that I will rise again, and this may seem harsh, but the Apostle Paul who wrote over half of the New Testament wrote a letter to the, first, to the Corinthians. Uh, turn there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul had planted a church in Corinth And in one of his letters to them, he addressed an issue over 2,000 years ago that is exactly the same as the issue that many people struggle with in our society today. And that the, the Corinthians were saying, we love Jesus, yes we do, but that resurrection thing, that's just for you. You see, they, they had decided that they were too intellectual. They were too enlightened. They, they were too scientific to believe that a man who was dead for real, literally and physically came back to life. It was simply impossible. They were saying, let's be Christians, but let's not believe that the resurrection actually happened. That's what Paul is addressing here in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. And I have to admit that believing that someone rose from the dead is pretty hard to believe. Have you ever seen it? I've never seen anybody rise from the dead. Somebody was asked one time, what do you want people to say at your funeral about you? And he said, he moved. Just felt like we needed a little release there. Look, believing that someone rose from the dead after being dead for three days is hard to believe. I get that. And that's why we don't just have Matthew and why we don't just have the book of Mark and, and we don't just have the testimony of Peter and we don't just have the testimony of James. We have all of them. All of them written at different times, at different places, for different reasons, for different purposes, but they were all mostly not Mark, they were, they, were, they were all eyewitnesses or they based their book on first-hand accounts. So the Apostle Paul, about 20 to 23 years after Jesus rose from the dead, he wrote this letter to the Corinthians. Now, just a thought about 20 to 23 years. Okay, usually just before Easter, you know, in the, in the month of March and April, you start seeing articles in, in magazines and you start seeing TV shows where people are trying to dispute Jesus and who he was in the resurrection. And, and one of the things that they like to say is that, that all of these books were written decades after Jesus was walking the earth. Decades, as if that's a really, really long time, right? How could they remember anything like that? Well, I just want to run a little bit of test here. Does this title mean anything to you? Billy Jean. Raise your hand if you know who wrote that song. That song was written and originally performed in 1982. What about Achy Breaky Heart? (laughs) Yeah, right? That's a little more recent, 1991. I can't remember the last time I heard that song on the radio intentionally. (laughs) But I'll bet a lot of us remember lyrics of those songs that were written decades ago. I mean, achy breaky heart, that was 30 years ago. And you still remember who wrote it, 
and probably some lyrics of the song. And, and if we can remember details about stuff that's not important, don't you think the disciples who stood on that hill and watched a man crucified and later had a conversation with him could remember those details 20 to 23 years later? You bet. You bet. 29, it'll be 29 years next month, I stood on this stage next to that woman and committed my life to her in front of a pastor and some of you who are here this morning. And, and I have a terrible memory, but I remember almost every detail of that day as if it was yesterday. Almost 30 years ago. Look, decades, I mean, no. No, and we need to remember that. Where were you in 2001 on September 11th at 7 o'clock in the morning? I know exactly where I was. And I know exactly what I did that day. Do I think about it all the time? No, I do not. But it was so traumatic in my life that those details, I remember them. Do you think the crucifixion of a man on a cross was a traumatic event and that they could remember the details of that day, week, three years? Absolutely. Here's what Paul says in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Ouch. Paul is saying if Jesus didn't physically rise from the dead, then our faith is worthless and Paul's preaching is useless. But, but wait, Paul, don't be so hard on yourself. You say your preaching is worthless. We love your preaching. I had some of his, his words spoken at my wedding on this stage. That's good stuff. Paul says, you know what? No. Forget about all the stuff I wrote if the resurrection didn't happen. Because our faith is worthless. Our preaching, who is Paul talking about our preaching? He's talking about Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Peter and James. He's saying it's all worthless if Jesus didn't come back from the dead. This is essential. This is foundational. Our faith is useless if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. I mean, we want to hang on to the good parts. Love your neighbor. Yep, I'm all about that. But ah, that resurrection thing. No, Paul is saying, you can't. You can't hang on to that other stuff. Because we all wrote this. We said and we witnessed Jesus rise from the dead. We, we saw him alive. We know that he did it. And we wrote these other things too. So if you don't believe that, you got to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Again, this seems harsh, but Paul goes on. More than that, Paul says in verse 15. <laughs> really? More? There's more? More than that, Paul says, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. So if the resurrection didn't happen, Paul's saying we, John, Luke, Mark, Paul, we're all liars then. You can't trust a word that we say if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you shouldn't listen to anything we say because we are liars. We're making stuff up. 
In fact, we're the worst kind of liars because we're not just lying about what happened or what I ate today or what I did today. I'm lying about the creator of the universe. We've gone on record, Paul says, all of us to say that God raised Jesus from the dead, which pushes us in a corner, doesn't it? You know what that means? It means that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we should take all of this New Testament that we have here in our Bibles and we should tear it out and leave it aside. How trusting are you of a person if you catch them in a lie? about anything else that they tell you from that point forward. Not very. It doesn't matter how small it is. Ah, well, they didn't really tell me the truth that one time. That's what Paul is talking about here. He says, we've lied about God if the resurrection didn't happen. In verse 17, look at verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sin. So if Christ didn't rise... Our faith is futile. We're just wasting our time. We're wasting our energy. But, but Paul, but I believe, I believe this other stuff. Well, tell us what you believe. I believe God is a forgiving God. That's, that's a good idea, Paul would say. Where did you get that? Well, my grandmother taught me that. Okay, well, where did she get it? Well, I'm sure she got it in church on a Sunday morning. And, and I'm sure she got that from the... Bible, probably the New Testament. So let me get this straight. You believe God is love because you got it from your grandma who got it from church where, where it was preached from the Bible. Isn't that the point, though? In the Bible, Paul says, if the resurrection didn't happen, forget everything I wrote. Because we're liars. But, but wait, wait, I've got one. God is love. God is love, right? Okay, who wrote that? John, the first one to the tomb, who said Jesus is alive. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It doesn't matter where in the Bible we go, even if you aren't a Christian, even if you don't believe the Bible, because our culture has been impacted more by the New Testament than you could ever imagine. In fact, to a large degree, when you, if you don't believe the resurrection happened or you don't believe the Bible, when you think of about God, it's the God of the Bible that you think of. Paul is saying, look, when you think about heaven, you, you think the New Testament heaven. We, we didn't come up with all of this on our own. All of this came from Jesus. And it was written down by the New Testament writers, and they are saying, we didn't make this stuff up. We saw this. We watched it happen. We lived it, and then they recorded it for us. You can't have the wonderful thoughts about heaven and forgiveness and love your neighbor without the resurrection. Our faith is futile. Have, have you ever said or had someone to say, had someone say to you, well, I believe, like uh, I heard a speaker talk and he was sharing with a person in the seat next to him on an airplane and they were, they were really tired and they really just wanted to go to sleep. But the person said, so what do you do? 
And the guy said, well, I'm a Baptist evangelist, you know, in the hopes that the guy would just kind of shut up and let him sleep. But the guy turns to him and says, well, you know what I believe, right? Does that matter? In in a way, hang, hang with me here for just a second. Let's say you get pulled over. And you, you look at the offer and you say, but officer, I believe. Yeah, what's he going to say? Yeah, that's cool. Here's your ticket. <laughs> but Judge Hibben, I believe. Yeah, well, sorry you believe that. Um, here's your sentence. Maybe if you're in college, if you're in middle school, high school, have you ever attempted this to the teacher? Well, I believe. Have you ever answered questions like that? They ask you a question, and honestly, you have no clue. So you're like, well, I'm just going to put, I believe, and that should make it right, right? How does that go over? Yeah, I hate to say it, um, but in the world of facts, and the world of mathematics, and the world of science, what we believe is important, but what we believe does not determine reality. Reality should determine what we believe. So you can say, I don't believe that the resurrection happened, but what you're forgetting is that it doesn't matter what you believe about an event, that doesn't change the facts of the event. It just hinders your understanding of it. The essential foundation of the resurrection is the resurrection, a shocking claim of Jesus. Look at verse 18. Those, then those also, if the resurrection didn't happen, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Those who have fallen asleep, that's a first century understanding of death. There's no more life in them. And if the resurrection didn't happen, then those who have fallen asleep are lost. We, we don't know where they are. We don't know where they are. We have no idea. All the hope that we have received at funerals, the encouragement we get from the fact that our loved ones trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, our, our moms, our dads, our grandpas, our grandpas, and even our children, it doesn't exist if the resurrection didn't happen. I mean, are you getting the sense that the resurrection is pretty important? Uh, it's foundational. It is the essential foundation. Look at verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Yuck. If, if we're just living out this life, only our life here on earth, with hope because of Jesus, but the resurrection didn't happen, then we're just, we're just living life. Look, if, if we're just living life and the resurrection didn't happen and we know what life under the sun is like, right? There's a word for that. Hevel. Smoke. Emptiness. We of all people, Paul says, if the resurrection didn't happen and we're living this way, should be pitied. 
All the money that you gave away should have kept it. Pity you. Think about what you could have done with all that money. All those times you worked hard to maintain your purity and felt ashamed and guilty when you didn't. It was all for nothing. And if you're living in a difficult marriage, but you're staying together and you're working hard to work it out because you've searched the scriptures and that's what God wants you to do, it's wasted effort if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. In fact, many of us, we've spent hours and hours and hours sitting in this church. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, and we should have been mowing the lawn. Should have been watching the bills. They're playing right now. Anybody know the score? Nope, don't answer that. I don't want to know. I don't, know, I don't want to know that you know. More than I don't want to know the score. <clears throat> In fact, look at, look at how Paul finishes this whole thing off. Look at verse 32. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Wow, Paul knows the writings of King Solomon, doesn't he? You can try living your life with all of these things and not believe in the resurrection, but eventually the inconsistency is going to show and, and you're just going to keep trying to fill your life, trying to fill your life, trying to fill your life. There's no peace, there's no, there's no hope, there's no life, there's, there's no rest. If all we get in this life is this life, then we are to be pitied. If we don't believe in the resurrection, we have no foundation. It is the essential piece. And I know you're thinking, get on with it, Pastor Dave. I've heard enough about not the resurrection. So look, in the middle of this same chapter 15, Paul says this. Look at, um, let's see, it's, it's verse, uh, verse 20. Circle, either in your notes or, or in your Bible, circle the word but at the beginning of verse 20. But. Now, there are two Greek words for but. Uh, the first one is day. That's like a little but. Then there is ula, which is like a big contrast. Paul didn't choose either of those. In fact, he puts two Greek words together, noonie day, noonie day, but, which means, are you freaking kidding me? But. I have the most incredible news you have ever heard. It is unbelievable. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. You see, we don't have to spend the rest of our lives without the essential foundation. The truth is we can build our faith and our following Christ and our Christianity on something that is true and strong and real. Because it did really happen. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The reason that we can believe, the reason that we can follow, the reason that we can hope, it is because Jesus Christ is alive today. His teachings didn't just rise from the dead. His principles didn't just rise from the dead. His spirit didn't just rise from the dead. His physical human body rose from the dead. 
Look up at verse 3. Paul sets this whole explanation up with these verses. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And who wrote those scriptures? Eyewitnesses. That he was buried. That's how we know that he was dead. He was in a tomb for three days. That he was raised on the third day. And how do we know that he was alive? Because he appeared to Peter... And then to the 12, they saw him alive. And then after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. He appeared to more than 500 people. Now, this is amazing. Paul's writing to the people in Corinth, and he's saying, look, I'm telling you, Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. And if you don't believe me, you can march right down there right now to Jerusalem, and you can ask people. Uh, Some of them are dead, but most of them are still alive. Stand face to face with them and say, did you see this? Did you see Jesus? And they will tell you, absolutely, yes, we did. They will tell you that he is alive and that he rose from the dead. And you know what that means? It means that if you are a Jesus follower, that your hope is not in vain, that your prayers are not in vain. Those those funerals that you went to, and and when that pastor said, based on this person's profession of faith in Jesus Christ, they're, they're at peace, they're with their creator right now. Yes, that is absolutely true, because Jesus rose from the dead. The time we spend in church, our generosity, our service, our kindness, our worship, our purity, it is not in vain. We are not to be pitied because we base our faith and our life on actual events. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus' powerful acts proved his deity. Over and over and over again. I listed them at at the beginning. He could do anything. He he, uh, he fed thousands he, with, with little, miraculously. He controlled nature. He walked on water. He, he turned water into wine. He raised the dead to life. He healed the blind, the lame, the bleeding, the sick, the leprous. Jesus called people to leave everything, and they did. And they stuck with it because it was the real thing. To their deaths. Nothing was impossible for Jesus. And if you still wonder, if, if, you're still, if you still aren't a Jesus person, you're still sitting here this morning going, and I just, I just can't believe this. And, and if you forget everything else that I've said today, um, here's the one thing that I want you to wrestle with. Um, the issue for you is, is not that you were ripped off by a Christian in some business deal, and so you don't believe in Jesus. The issue is not that you were offended by a church or a church leader. The issue is not how old is the earth or what about the dinosaurs. Or, or when you were a little boy or girl, your parents got a divorce and the church kicked your mom out and now you don't want to have anything to do with God. No, this is really important for you because the issue is this. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Did Jesus rise from the dead? 
Because if he didn't, it's game over Christianity. But if he did, it changes everything for you. Everything. It means that you can talk to God, your heavenly Father. It means that there is more to life than this life. It means that there is that, that, that sense of ought and ought not that you have in your head, in your, in your mind, and in your life is the thumbprint of God. It's not just some moral standard that you came up with. In, It means that those stories that you heard maybe from your grandmother or your grandfather or from a youth pastor, those stories are real. They happened. It's why I never, I seldom refer to something that happens that I read in the Bible as a story. It's, I I always try to refer to it as an event. Because a story, I mean, we tell stories all the day and sometimes they get bigger and bigger, right? No, what we have in in the New Testament and in the Old Testament are events. You see, it means that you can serve other people and it will have meaning. It means that you can be freed from the chains of the sin that is darkening your life. Jesus rising from the dead means that you can never sin so much that you could be outside of God's ability to save you because the men that wrote that Jesus rose from the dead also wrote that his grace is sufficient for you. It means that you are loved and valued by your creator to such a point that he willingly sacrificed his life for you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, a real event in history, is our essential foundation. Now, if this is the first time that you've ever heard this and maybe you aren't ready to believe, I mean, I get that. But, but I want to encourage you to keep asking questions. Don't let this go because we don't know when our last breath on this planet is going to be. And this is an important thing that you need to nail down. It's really important. Worship team, come up here. We'll get ready to sing this last song. You may, be, you, you may also be here watching or listening online, and, and you're standing right on the edge of, of belief. You're like, I think I'm ready. I, yes, yes, I believe this. Why not right now in this moment? Why not right now? Why not profess belief in Jesus right now? I don't know where you are or even when you're watching this or listening to this. This could be the year 2024. I don't know. I don't think that stuff gets deleted off the internet. We never know what a simple decision, how that simple decision will impact the future. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, Paul says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That raising from the dead is essential. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. I'm going to simply lead us in a prayer of confession this morning. Um, Confess as, as, you, as you follow me, as you hear me, as you maybe even say the words in your own, own head or out loud, wherever you are, um, the words that you know to be true, and then we'll close with this final song. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today, today I believe. Maybe this belief is new. Maybe it's old. Today, Jesus, I believe. I know that you are God. I know that you were literally raised from the dead. And today, in this moment, I want to place my hands in you as the creator and the God and the Savior of all things. I surrender myself to you as my Lord and my God. I confess to you my sin, my disbelief, and my attempt to save myself. Please, please forgive me. And now, Jesus, give me the wisdom to find a church, if not this one, and, and friends especially, that, that I need to help me to grow in this new relationship that has begun today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. And Lord Jesus, on behalf of all of those here today and who are watching and listening who already believe, thank you. Thank you for helping us today to have more foundation to be able to share the good news of the gospel with our neighbors and our friends and our family. Thank you. Oh, thank you for saving me. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.